You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello and welcome to... The Noise Direction Podcast, a punk podcast for people who spend too much time on punk, teach you to spend more time on punk. I'm Matt Please. Then I'm Scotty Heath. Yeah. Drop, a, drop a comment why it's not punk. <laughs> I went, I, last night, I fucking went to a show. It was one of my first shows back. Oh, cool. And I saw my New- friends in Heavy, I saw my friends in Heavy Temple. I went up with my boy Mike from All Else Failed and back, Backwoods Payback. And I was just, it was like so fun. It was like such a night of like, I love hardcore and friends and like smoking cigarettes with those people. <laughs> <laughs> Where really are you? You're, you're, you're not in New York right now, huh? You're I'm in Philly? I'm in Philly. I was handling some family stuff. My parents live down here. Did and, you, was uh, the show outdoors or indoor? Was it an indoor show? It was an outdoor show. It was an outdoor show. Oh, cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was fun as hell. So I just wanted to say shout out Heavy Temple, giving me a good time. Uh, seeing all the homies I'd like bumped into a bunch of homies I hadn't seen in forever it's sick I love I love COVID not I love COVID being over this is an anti-COVID podcast but today we have a topic and today's topic is uh wait I was thinking about us being an anti-COVID podcast and wondering if we have to do a live show with a pro-COVID podcast we can square (laughs) off with them in a debate (laughs) Which is better, life under COVID or not? <laughs> yeah, I'm mentally preparing for how I'm going to defend our anti-COVID stance. Got it. So what's our podcast topic? Because our podcast Today, topic isn't this is COVID No, no, this is a topic that I don't spend much time thinking about, but somebody in Matt's position gets this question all the fucking time because it's very real and it is controversial even. And I think that we might surprise you with some of our takes on this, but today we were talking about pay to play shows. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, you know, like, like everyone gets, gets finicky when they say pay to play. So, so what let's if, break this down. If some, if somebody just wrote like a tweet or a, a Facebook post that was like, Hey, you guys, we're thinking about playing a pay-to-play show. What do you think? Most people, and this is also well, I mean, kind of how the, I think, too. We're going to give you all the angles here. Yeah, you're a step, you're a step, you're a step too far. What is pay-to-play? Okay. Pay-to-play is exactly what it sounds. You pay to play a show. Now, often this is in, most often this is in tickets, right? So you don't necessarily have to lose money. Like you don't have to, but you will have to come out of pocket in advance. And then the promoter might say, you need to sell 40 tickets. And then he might charge you like a wholesale rate, I guess, for the, I've never done one of these. So I'm, I'm, put, I'm piecing yeah, together the knowledge. Basically I know. what you're doing is the promoter says, 
you know, you're going to buy, you need to sell 30 tickets. You're going to buy them for me at $8 a piece. You can sell them for whatever you want or selling them for 15. You can sell them for 10. Or you can sell them for eight. If you need to get people, if you need to get rid of, you know, or yeah. whatever, just sell them for whatever. But that's how it works. Now, so I've, now as a promoter who's booked hundreds of shows, I would never fucking do this. I so don't you like understand it at why people all. would do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to get out before I start saying like this is how you do it if you need to. I just want to say as a promoter, I don't like this. I don't like it. Neither do I. I know why it's done, but I just, I don't know. Like, but here's what I'll say. Here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. You and I have never been promoters for our livelihood. No. And I also want to, that's why that's else different. I want to, and I've also always, I've always worked in an A market, right? Yeah. So when I go on to say how this can be okay and how you can work it to your advantage, I'm saying that not necessarily to the bands in my backyard here in the Bay Area, but I'm saying it to some bands in some like smaller markets. It may be your only opportunity to get your foot in the door. And I want to acknowledge that in this podcast before we go forward. I would yeah. never do it. It might be your only option. Here's how and, you can free. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is it emerged because there are people who are career promoters? Okay, who bands lie to them all the time. Yeah, see, a lot of what the promoter that wants to pay to play do is he wants to make sure that the opening band is going to help promote. And if they're not going to help promote, at least they're going to bring in 30, 40 people because they probably told the promoter they can draw 30, 40 people, right? Yeah, and this is the problem. In his radar in the first place. If I'm the promoter, like I'm taking a huge gamble because like I need that money to pay the headliners, to pay whatever. So I got my fingers crossed. These schmucks are actually worth what they say they're worth. So here's a couple things to just know. Like when you're trying to bump up your band to get a show, most promoters go to a lot of shows. So if you're a local band in that promoter scene and you want to tell them that you can draw 100 people, they know you can't. Right? Like a promoter in your local scene who does your style of music isn't completely unaware of your band if you draw 100 people. If you say you draw 30 people, they might be curious and believe you more, and then it's up to you. Now, my position as a promoter, when I'm giving a new band a chance, like it is, it is advantageous for the promoter to have a new band open up. You need kind of some filler in there while the while you know that putting butts in seats people are getting their drinks people are getting checked in at the door you know coats in the winter on the east coast all that kind of stuff um but what i do as a promoter is i just let that band know that my expectations of them is that they are going to promote and bring their friends yeah totally. that it is already a great opportunity for them to shine and i don't feel like i need to dangle 150 dollars in front of them to get it done. And I also don't think that $150 or let's even step it up. If the band, if it's $300, I don't think that that makes or breaks my show or my back or my back end when I'm paying people. On yeah. But you're all, but again, ju- just to repeat this, you're also, you know, you and I are the same. We're booking shows that we think are cool for our friends. We're not booking shows because that is how we're going to buy groceries. 
And I've never booked a show because a band told me they can draw a hundred people. I've only put bands on shows that I like their music and I want them to play in front of my crowd because I think they're going to kill it. Not because I think they can make it a little easier for me to pay the headliner at the end of the night. Yeah. Okay. So all that out of the way, all that out of the way, I live in fucking Lawrence, Kansas and you know, 10 big tours. I love Lawrence, Kansas as well but maybe 10 big tours come in through the year, like, 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 you know, international uh, bands, right? You might not get a lot of opportunities to play in front. Now I would say you should be involved in, there's definitely, I mean, there was a place in Lawrence, Kansas actually called the haunted kitchen, which was the basement that we used. I played it three, four summers in a row. So I know there's still a scene there, and all small towns should have a scene where you can play a basement or a VFW or whatever. But the pay to play is usually going to happen when there's a big national act coming through town. You know, this might be your first show with a stupid fucking barricade or a fucking bouncer at the door. Right. Yeah. So one of the key, this is a Scotty ism. Okay. This is something I've coined. I've said it before. I'll say it again. And this is very, very important in this subject. You must know. I also talk about this when I'm talking about working for free. You must know when you're being taken advantage of and or versus you are taking advantage of the situation. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. You could be being taken advantage of, and you also could be taking advantage of the situation, which then takes the power back and makes it yours. Takes the power back. (laughs) The story that I heard that, so to be clear, I used to just always say a blanket, fuck pay to play. I used to just say, fuck pay to play, don't do it. Same thing with fucking battles of the bands and shit like that. There's a better opportunity for you. Then I was listening to a podcast with, with uh, what, what we call Jamie Josta, like you're the, the uncle of hardcore. I don't, he's certainly not the godfather or even the yeah, dad. He's, 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 he's like the cool uncle. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the uncle of hardcore, <laughs> Jamie Josta and Hate Breed. Uh, I picked up a lot of game. I, I'm not, I picked up a lot of game from listening to old hate breed stories. Jamie just is obviously a hustler. He fucking hustled his ass into being the biggest New York hardcore band in the world. That's not from New York. Right. You know, when you go to Europe, they hate breed get, for those that don't get that. When you go to Europe, hate breed is, is billed as a New York hardcore band. Yeah. Um, okay. But what did he do? I heard Jamie just tell tell a story that changed my mind about pay to play. And it makes so much sense. And I didn't even have to like wrap my brain around what he was saying. So they're a band from fucking Connecticut. They took some pay to plays. I mean, Hatebreed is a band that they really transcend the hardcore scene for sure. You know, like they play with as many metal bands and even maybe in in festival situations. I mean, I think they probably even play with some pop punk bands and stuff like that. At least on the heavier side of that, you know, they know how to get around and play in front of as many people as possible. So I hear him telling a story about old about pay to play shows in Connecticut when hate breed was coming up. And my advice is coming straight from the mouth of that man. 
a lot of times when bands do pay to play and a lot of times when bands open shows in general, they don't like, I was saying an opening band has to promote. Sometimes bands, like when you're new, you don't know, like if you're like stepping too far, right? Like I've had bands be like, hey, we've been waiting for a flyer and no one's making one. We want to promote what should we do? And I say, make a fucking flyer. If you want to do, you want to get ahead and do it. So a pay to play show is going to be with a big name band. Now, if you pay to play, you want to make your own flyer. You want to make, use your correct logo, not some font that the promoter assigns to you. You want to rework that poster so you don't look like a pay to play band. So you look like you're on the fucking bill because you are on the bill. Anybody watching that fucking stage is not going to generally assume you bought your way on, which is not even a good way to look at, it. you know, it's just playing the game when, when you have to. So you want to suit it for yourself. So make sure that you make a flyer and make it look like you fucking belong there. Like the fucking headliner fucking called your mom's house and said, I need you guys to open this show. You get that flyer all over town and now your band logo is being associated with these bigger acts. As far as your 30, 40 tickets you got to sell, I would look at this as an investment into the band. And like, you don't have to like give all those tickets away and just lose the money or whatever, but you don't have to like profit off it either. But like going and sitting in front of the fucking grocery store, trying to sell tickets, like you're running some raffle or something like that ain't the way to do it. What you want to do is make sure your fucking down ass homies and any local diehard fans that you already have, you need them there to fucking go off when you're opening up because this is about perception. I'm assuming that you've got your songs down. That you've got your stage show down. You just can't get a show without this pay to play. So if you fucking do it, don't be taken advantage of. Take advantage of the situation. Boost yourself there. Make yourself the proper opener. Get your homies to go off make the flyers fucking big and boom. Next thing you know, you don't got to buy 30 tickets for the promoters next show. You're just on the bill. And I will say in terms of being just on the bill, once you start to prove yourself a little bit, people stop making you sell tickets, right? Like I've seen it happen where bands started to prove themselves. And then the promoter was like, Oh, like other people need to sell tickets to be on the show, but you don't because like, I know you're for real, you know? Yeah. Um, Here's the story I always use to justify pay to play. Okay. When I was doing the exhorter tour, we had a pay to play opener uh, in New Orleans for their big New Orleans reunion show, thousand people, yada, yada, yada. And I was initially very against it. And I even sent, I, I was like arguing with the promoter, like, I'm not sure I really like that, dude. Well, a lot of headlining bands don't like it. Like, you know, yeah, I work but, with Municipal Waste but, and we would never allow a promoter to do that. And if we got to a show and found out that the opening band was a pay to play on our show, there would be a problem between yeah. management and promotion for but sure. Here, but here's, here, here's what that manager said, or here's what that promoter said, which, which really stuck with me, was look, man. If you can't sell 50 tickets to open for the Exhorter reunion show in New Orleans, 
maybe you shouldn't be opening for exhorter. And that really seems fair enough to me. Do you know what I mean? Like to me, that's fair. Yeah, well, it's like, oh, if you think you deserve this, show me. Yeah. Because I'm I'm trusting that you do. Yeah. Because you can only fuck yourself by not selling these tickets. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, you know? And to me, like, that's pretty justified. If it's like, look, like, you know, because ultimately, like, promoters don't make a lot of money. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but I, yeah. Like, See, like, I'm going like, to bounce again, back and forth a lot because like, I'm no. still like, well, why can't the promoter just find a fucking band that they know draws 50 people and just put them I, on the fucking bill I, like a normal person? I agree. But I'm just saying I understand why people make that choice. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, and I also think that, again, I think that it's different when it's you and me booking shows with a bunch of our friends where you know like when I book a show it's like an event right like the idea is like this is going to be fucking sick and everyone's going to turn out and have the time of their lives I'm never worried about 50 tickets if they're not going to show up and my show is going to get ruined right exactly but exactly but but if you're a promoter booking five shows a week I get why you do it but again a lot of legit promoters don't St. Vitus doesn't and they're the most legit promoters around yeah, but like I said, that's an A market. I mean, that's why I'm, yeah. I'm I'm like, if I knew a promoter in an A market that's doing this shit instead of just getting the other active bands, like, this is why I go back and forth. Like, Oh, yeah, well, and that's think, definitely part of the game is, like, if you're a promoter and, like, you don't know your scene, like, at all and, like, can't figure out, Yeah, you're out, just like, falling back on this shit. It's bullshit. Like, I... Yeah, like, that's dumb because that's just, like, admitting defeat and that you don't know and that's fucking... Exactly, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm just... Every time I start, like, promoting doing these shows, I'm gonna... My brain is like, yeah, but it's bullshit. <laughs> and I'm like, no... This episode's about how to make it work if it's what you have to do. Yeah. And I'm really am talking to more small town bands, you know? You know, and like, and there's nothing wrong with like giving those tickets away or even like I see people like doing a ticket raffle, you know? Or... Oh, you can pull a kiss and just get all the fucking, you know, if you've got 30 tickets and you want to give 20 to women to show out, to show the promoter that you drew a bunch of women to the show, which is always really positive. And the other 10 to the biggest fucking moshers in the scene, like you're fucking golden, right? I mean, yeah. yeah like that, I mean, that's if you've thing. got a fucking pit master in your scene, which every scene has a pit master or two, if you're going to give a ticket away, that's who you're giving it to. And you're like, bro, am, please set it off for us. As soon as we hit the stage, it's a big deal for us. There, there's a band I work with. I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much, but they're playing a festival. Okay. And they have a bunch of their hometown people coming to the festival. And so what we're having them do is they're giving all the hometown people driving to the festival with them, the band shirt. So even though they're early in the day, there's going to be like 20 people wearing the band shirt all day. Rocking the merch, then standing up front when they play. It's all really smart. Exactly. This is all an investment exactly. in the future of your band. And it's like, and- when you do stuff like that, it's like, you know, and like, here's the thing is, because I kind of like when it's like, oh, hey, sell these tickets. Because then it's like, because obviously I'm like addicted to selling, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it like, engages you. It makes well, you more part, you know, invested yeah. in it. Literally but invested in it. What I'm saying cash. is like there's so much stuff you can do where you can be like, hey, buy a ticket and then come up to the merch stand and we'll give you a patch. 
Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the people that buy advance tickets off me, like we got a sticker pack for you when you get that. Exactly. Right. Thank like you. stuff like that. And and by the way, there was there was something there was something very intentional. But when you make people go to pick it up, that actually reduces the amount of people who actually pick it up by a lot. So you're saving yourself a little money there. That's a little bit of oh technology. god. But like all I'm saying is like you need to be doing stuff like that. And then you know one I mean? other thing about that I think we missed here, and I don't, I know I'm calling pay to play promoters lazy, but I'm not calling them greedy. Okay. Promoters that do pay to play battle of the bands, that's, that's greed. That's, that's bullshit. Yeah. Okay. And this is a separate a thing. It's like, do not go on unless it is a, unless it's a promoter you have extreme trust for. Do not go on before 6 p.m. Because, yeah, and well, like, unless it's a, I mean, that's, you got to look at the, at what the show is. But, but yeah, yeah but if there, it's an but evening so many, show. There's so many festival battle of the bands where it's just like, oh, this package store came through. And now the promoter is going to put 20 goddamn locals who start at 1 p.m. Oh, and play the small day. stage. Yeah. You know, like. That was about no. to be my defense, my defense of the promoter that does pay to play for an opening spot, not someone who makes a whole fucking battle of the bands that starts at 3 p.m. And then the touring package starts at eight. Fuck that. Don't do that. Maddie's right. But in defense of the promoter has to do it. Those 30 tickets you're buying, that is not to fucking line the promoter's pocket. It's to make sure that he can pay the guarantee that the package is asking for. Yeah. So just know that too, because I see a lot of, you know, like uh, when you hear like people talk bad on pay to play, which I can find myself there talking bad on pay to play, but the idea of this greedy promoter, like, I mean, maybe he's an asshole, but like there actually has to be money. Like, like, are you greedy about a hundred dollars? Does, I don't know. Like, you know, it's just, it's not that much. Oftentimes that's because the promoter, is not even confident enough in his own work that he can do his job, promote to get enough people there to finish yeah, but, their job, which but, is pay the headline. Yeah. But also sometimes he takes, you know, I've seen it happen too, where promoters took a risk and then realized after the fact that they gambled a little bit too hard. You know what I mean? Like I've seen promoters go like, overbid on something and then have to like cover their ass after the fact um, oh i've been there buddy oh i know but yeah but i agree like that's not how you need to do it but it's just you know i just think it's important to like not come at people for trying to do something <laughs> you know what i mean like that's kind of the thing to me is like a lot of us a lot of people are just trying to like do something cool for the community and being mean to them is probably not like the way to get them to do more cool things. Yeah. Well then there's also the other take. I mean, my whole role about music and punk and DIY is you should be empowered by this stuff. Like it's often easier, much easier to be empowered by someone who's helping you. Who's like literally empowering you, like giving you that, that place, that role, that position, but you can be empowered by a fucking asshole too. Because you could be the next promoter 
if you don't yeah. like the way your small town promoter acts or treats bands or handles money or doesn't handle money, those kind of things. I mean, that's the next step because if your band is having a hard time getting shows and you find pay to play is one of your only options, let me suggest booking your own shows and not waiting for the pay to play guy to call, you know, sure. It takes a lot more effort, but do you want to play good shows? Do you want to play shows at all? Um, and it's yeah. just we've knowing the ins. Before, we've, we've talked about this a million times, knowing the ins and out of how to book a show. Even if you don't become a career promoter, knowing the ins and ends of booking a show is going to help you in so many ways for so many years as you play in bands. Yeah. It's the same as, like I say, put out your own release. I don't mean put out your own LPCD and book a, an international tour. I mean, if no labels are calling, fucking dub a tape. It's cheap. You can afford it. You can do it and you'll learn a lot and it'll help you when you start working with labels because you'll understand it a little better. Okay, so before we get before we get too off base. I would like to start a brand new topic in the last five minutes of the podcast. Okay. So what the is our topic final, we've talked about 10 times before? <laughs> what is our fi- what is our final take on pay to play? Is basically if you're in an A market, never do it. If you're in a small market, if it's a worthwhile show that you actually think you can sell the tickets to, if you're you a big fan of the band, like, go for it. I'm assuming that this feels like a big opportunity that you're not doing the pay to play just to get on the stage. You're doing the pay to play to get on stage with a band whose fucking records are in your collection, whose fucking t-shirts you wear, you know? Yeah. Uh, never hurts to wear. Oh, here's a little side piece of advice. Never hurts to wear uh, the headlining band's t-shirt and if that feels corny to you because you're too punk or whatever and that's not a diss wear this is an ultimate thing do this when you go to towns too wear a t-shirt that is in the same scene as the headlining band it's a good conversation starter it's a good way to help you meet people yeah especially if you can like especially if you have like a, an interesting shirt like I guarantee you, like, if you wore a rudimentary P&I shirt opening for Neurosis, someone from Neurosis, like, backstage Someone's going to say, cool shirt, like, backstage, yeah. and then it's up to you to, like, it's like the, the, the five minutes in the elevator with the fucking CEO on your way to your fucking mailroom gig, right? Like, you've, when, when you get that little piece of attention, now it's up to you to, to, you know, I'm not saying give your pitch to the band, like, hey, take us on a worldwide tour. But it's your chance to become remembered and maybe called next time because you're going to kick ass, right? Yeah, because you know about rudimentary peni. And if you don't know about rudimentary peni and you're listening to this podcast, probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Go listen to rudimentary peni. I still haven't listened to the new rudimentary peni record that just came out. It's really good. But don't start with the new one. Start with the old stuff. But this is Start with Death Church. Yeah, of course. Um, Join us I next like... week when we do a podcast about... <laughs> About rudimentary, Blinko and rudimentary I once got into a fight with um, a girlfriend about rudimentary peni because she wasn't a fan. I was like, this isn't possible. <laughs> this, cause this isn't going to work. Yeah, basically. Like, I'm not sure. You're cool, but like, uh, anyway, this has been Noise Direction. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing us talk about pay to play shows. Um, we would love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to email me your thoughts. And questions, because we want to do another fan question episode. 
Love the fan question episode. Love the fan question. Let's do it. Email them to Matt at dropoutmedia.net and um, tell us what you think. Party on. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.